Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Come on, let's just stay there for a second. We're going to keep singing that. Here's the thing. We're we're, going to do a little bit of different service. If this is your first time here, um, listen... We are so glad that you're here. We believe that there's a calling, there's an assignment on your life, regardless of what happened in your background, regardless of the news that you just got this last week, regardless of the conflict that you are in right now. There is an assignment on your life. And I, I want to kind of deal with it. So, th- so this service, we're going to do a little bit more worship. We're going to do a little bit more ministry. And, 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 and so here's what I want to say. This is why we need ministry. If you've been reading Acts, then you have read where it calls us stiff-necked people. Stiff-necked people means that we feel like because of our education, because of our intellect, because of who we know, our networks, because of how smart we are, we feel like that we can in ourselves attain some sort of goodness. That we ourselves can attain it. And we always measure our best by everybody else's worst. And so, come on, Christmas time, you felt good about you because your family came. At Christmas, you felt good about what you're doing because you have stories of that brother or sister or aunt or uncle or parent. There's this idea in all of us that we can do it by ourselves, And you cannot. That does not negate or reduce your intellect, your ability, your capacity, or your talent. But what you need to know is at the end of all that, there is still turmoil in your soul. There's still a longing and a a needing to be full. And as a church, we believe that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, Matthew chapter 5 says, will be filled. And we have a lot of people fleshing out Posting out, commenting, rallying, because they're not full. And the fullness will be in the job that I get, the change in the president. The fullness will be in who, taking over the Congress, taking over the Senate. The fool will be, and there's always this. And here's the thing. It doesn't matter who you are. It, after that happens, there'll be something else. After that, there'll be something else. Come on. Does that make sense? How many of all four Christmases ago did it? You're just good. You don't even celebrate now. You're good. You don't want a present. You're good. There's always another thing that you thought would make you happy. Come on. If my husband will just clean up. That's all I ask for, God. Some of y'all said that prayer. If the shoes, God, will just, I'll never ask you for another thing. That's a lie. And aren't you glad God's up there going, you asked for another. <laughs> because we're never full. So today's service is about moving our attention 
off of ourselves, off of others, off of the people who hurt us, off of the last church or this church or what church should be or what church should do. We're moving all of that away and we're just focusing on the simplicity that God is enough. It doesn't negate pain. If you just walk through a divorce, that's painful. If you just got bad news, that's painful. If your kid's going crazy, that's painful. But at some point, you're going to have to ask yourself, what is enough? And I am telling you that God in His lavish love for you has a plan for mankind and he said he would never leave you orphans and if you feel orphaned abandoned betrayed if you feel lost frustrated overlooked full of shame then here is what I am saying to you you need to hear the story of transformation God's active movement on your life does not negate all of the natural things that we deal with. After this great service, you may go out and get the flu. I hope you don't. I'm not professing that over you, but you may. Especially if you got little kids. <laughs> well, I thought if I got saved, I'd never get the flu. I don't know who told you that. We live in the natural. But there is supernatural work that God wants to do and how do you forgive someone who hurts you how do you forgive people who abandon you how do you overcome listen this is not four steps in a poem you just need God to begin to do something in your life and that is a spiritual work that's a spiritual work how do you forgive your kids well, they were raised better. They should have known better. They, they, they. Everybody has a journey. Your journey is to lay your stuff before the Lord and let Him fill you up. Your journey is not to control all of the voices and people in your life. Because you can't. You can't control your husband. You can't control your wife. You can't control your kids. You're going to have to lead them to the fountain that never runs dry. You're going to have to leave them to the God that, God that is power. You're going to have to leave them to the one that is mightier than I. You're going to have to lead them to the one because ultimately everybody is hungry for something. Yeah. That's, why we, we, that's why we sin because we think that in that sin, listen, it's going to be enough. So we look in private, we seek in private, we scroll, we, we look, we eat, we, we, we do all of these things, come on, to try to appease that longing to be full. And I'm telling you today that theology is wonderful when you, the Bible says to study to show yourself approved. You got to know what you believe. You got to know apologetics. You got to know why you're here. But some of you know why but you've never felt the presence of God and here's the deal 
you can know a lot about love, but until you experience it, you ain't putting no ring on no finger. There's a part of experience that we've got to understand. Some of y'all are calling God, God, but you've never felt a hug in your life. You've never felt God go, you're enough. Hey, I know you got a lot to work on. Hey, so do I. Everybody, all my kids do. You know what I'm saying? But, but the truth of the matter is you're loved, you're wanted, you're valued. Man, I sent my son for you. Come on, wh what do you need to hear from me to let you know that I am working and I need you to trust me and it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And I just feel like as a church, we're going to start this year out. And I hope you're fasting. But here's the thing, we're starting this year out going, okay, God, multiply what you've given me. And the first thing that I want you to multiply is my pursuit of you. My pursuit of you. My pursuit of you. Christians are notorious. We believe everything in this book, but we don't read it. We believe prayer works, but we don't pray. We believe God's still on the throne, but it's been a long time since we visited the kingdom. God is not interested in what you know. He is interested in what you do. That's what James is all about, being doers of the word. The Bible says that, because the Bible is written to believers. I know you want to stand, sit down. This is good. Come on. This is calisthenics. All right, listen. Listen. The Bible tells us in James that you can look at yourself in the mirror and forget what you look like. You can forget. Going to church your whole life is a benefit, but it does not mean transformation. There is more. And so I got some things that I want to download. And so I'm going to ask everybody, if they, it, it just, just in this atmosphere, come on. Uh, we're not going to turn up the lights. We're just, I'm going to preach for about 15, 20 minutes. And then we're just going to kind of sit here in the presence of the Lord. Just go ahead and have a seat where you're at. And, and we're not done yet, man. We're just, we're just give me one second. And, and because of this service is so different, I'm going to ask, you know, if you need to go do what you need to go do, do that. But, but I will tell you this, that um, it's very, very important as we begin to grow um, go to the bathroom before church. Go get a water before church. But, but um, you know, our church services don't last that long. But once the word starts, let's try to have a little peace over the room. You know, does that make sense? Is that helpful? Uh, I'm only going to talk about 40 minutes, 42 minutes at the most. So I, I think we can hold it. And so go do what you need to do and then come back. But, but I just, I, I don't want distractions to distract from what we're doing. And so come in, whatever, but when the word starts, let's go ahead and settle ourselves so that we can, we can focus on what God has. Um, man, I like that chorus, that, that chorus. Uh, and, and I just believe that God has more for you, for you more for you you know hunger is not a bad thing hunger is not a bad thing you, you guys look at me I don't want to have to turn up the lights I'm tired I'm tired okay but uh, 
Listen, hunger is not a small thing. Hunger reveals what you crave. Crave. Hopefully you're doing the, the fast with us. But, I, I, and if you, if you forgot or if you messed up, or you're like, man, I had a donut first thing. I'm sorry. It, it's fine. Just start again. Just start again. Um, but the reason that we fast is because Jesus told us to. Jesus told the disciples, the disciples, uh, John's disciples came to Jesus and said, hey, God, well, why don't you fast? And they, he said, well, the bridegroom is present. You don't fast. But there will be a time when they will fast because I'm going to leave. So Jesus told us to fast. Okay, it wasn't a marketing system. It wasn't a weight loss program. Some of y'all like, what? You know what I'm saying? You know, Beachbody did not invent fasting, okay? Um, and what fasting does is it refocuses our attention on Jesus. It, it allows us to deny our flesh, break up our comfort, and connect with the Father. And so... In Matthew chapter 5 or 6, I mentioned this, but this is in the Beatitudes, and it says blessed. I don't know. How many of y'all want to be blessed? Okay, okay. Maybe you grew up in a denomination where you weren't blessed, but, but we want you to be blessed. The Father wants you to be blessed, and Jesus said a good father is going to give drink and food to his children, not a snake. So how many of y'all want to be blessed? Okay, good. You want to be blessed. You want to be blessed. Now... Because of our Western culture, we often think blessed is a chick, <laughs> but, but bless may be um, favor, it may be an open door, it may be health, it may be your, your kids, it, it, it may be, you know what I'm saying, blessing comes a lot in a lot of different forms. But Jesus taught us how to be blessed. If you want to be blessed, listen to what I'm saying, you're going to have to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Because that's the only thing that will satisfy you. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Is that uh, um, being right in every conflict will not satisfy you. Having the last word, having more time, having alone time, getting the attention from someone that you love, hunger for entertainment, hunger for food. The only thing that will satisfy you is when you hunger and thirst for the Lord. That's how blessings come. Why do blessings come? See, God will give us a supernatural truth with a, with a practical, natural um, uh, result. If I am running toward the Lord and He's what I hunger for and I'm removing all the other things from my life, then blessings will come because God produced seed and seed is going to grow in seed time and harvest and I'm going to be further, farther as I keep going. Does that make sense? It doesn't mean that we don't have to deal with our flesh. It doesn't mean that we don't have to overcome some areas. But the truth of the matter is, come on. Some of us are dealing with more than flesh. We're dealing with sin. And, and, and that sin's not going to ever benefit you. It's, it's never going to, you're never going to go, man, I'm better because I stole something. It was awesome. You know what I'm saying? You may be fine for a couple weeks. Then the bad boys are coming. And you're like, <laughs> I mean, like, but it ain't good. Oh, man, I'm better because I got to do whatever I, I do. I do me. I do me. I do well, God said do him and put him in you 
and you would be blessed. Does that make sense? Um, I think that as we read this, um, our, our goal over the next couple of weeks is talking about how to hunger for God. Hunger for God. And, and for us at the church, we want four things to happen for you. We want you to meet the Father. We want you to accept forgiveness. We want you to live free. Live free. Not just find freedom, but live free. We want you to fuel your purpose. And I, and I think that for this to happen, there has to be transformation. Transformation. Well, how does transformation happen? Transformation happens when we give up our hard heart and we say, God, whatever you want to do in me, I'll do. You cannot come to God with your prescription. God's the doctor. Does that make sense? You can't say, God, all right, I'll come if you'll fix this. God's like, you come, and I'll do more than what you can ask for. I will do it exceedingly. Come on, I will do abundantly. I will heal you and help you for generations. While you're only focused on you, I'll be handling you, your kids, and your kids' kids. What I'm telling you is there is a benefit. Come on, somebody help me. Come on, help me. Over the next few minutes, I want to tell you about a story about the Apostle Paul and when scales fell from his eyes. Scale, literally, the Bible says, fell from his eyes. And you can read this. How many of y'all are reading with us? How many of y'all are reading? Come on, you go, go to our website, go to our uh, Instagram. We are in Acts. And Acts chapter 9 is the story of Saul. And Saul was a, uh, he, he, he wanted to destroy the work of Jesus. It, the chapter 9 starts out with him threatening and murdering and, and he is trying to destroy the work of God. And so if you, come on, have you ever heard somebody say, well, if I walked into church, the, the gates of hell would freeze. <laughs> well, Saul was that guy, you know what I'm saying? I mean, he was killing people, killing Christians, destroying the work, stoning, I mean, just a, a terrible guy. And then all of a sudden, God got a hold of his life. And Acts chapter 3, after Acts chapter 9, verse 3, it says this. Listen to this. Now he went on his way, approaching Damascus. Come on. He's got his, I'm going to stop the church. He's the activist who's stopping the work of God. He's got his power walk on. He is headed. He's not thinking about God. He's not thinking about a relationship with Jesus. He's not thinking about submission. He's thinking about destroying this work. Look at this. And by approaching Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? I love it. You know what? I, I, I love it because uh, he's on his ground. He's on the ground. And uh, he finds out real quick that what he knows isn't enough. He finds out that his pedigree, all of his study, he was a Pharisee. He was uh, from the tribe of Benjamin. He was uh, circumcised on the eighth day. This guy had done it all right. And guess what? In one moment, he got a revelation that there's more than what I know. 
Come on, maybe you've been to church the last 10 years of your life. You grew up in church. Your mama was a, uh, a bishop, a pastor. Your daddy was a bishop, a pastor. I don't know what, what your uh, pedigree was, but here's what I'm telling you is, if you think at 45, at 42, at 61, that you know all there is of God, you need a light-up moment. You need someone to turn on the light of your spirit and go, whoa, hold up. There's some vastness here. There's depth here. The things I thought I knew, there was more to that. Come on, somebody. There is more to that. Don't you love, I talked about this last week, don't you love going to buffet and they bring out more? You're like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Listen. After falling to the ground, I mean, you can't even stand in God's presence. We're so arrogant. Well, we're Americans. <laughs> you couldn't even stand. Look at this. He heard a voice. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Dun, dun, dun. You know what I'm saying? But rise, enter the city, for you will be told what to do. I love that. Jesus is such a man. I'm just, Jesus is such a guy. Get up. I'll tell you where to go. Where am I going? I ain't going to tell you right now. I said I'd tell you. Some of you want to know what's next, but you won't take the first step. You want God to tell you what's, what's the plan, what's the ministry, what's going to happen with my marriage, what's going to happen with this, what's going to happen with my kids, what's going to happen. You want to know all of it, and God's like, get up and go, and I'll tell you. Well, I, you do you know who I am? Yeah, you were the dude on the ground five seconds ago. You want to get up? What's up? I don't, I'm good. Come on. Look at this. And there, look at this. And Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he could see nothing. Come on. How many of us can't see? You got eyes, Jesus said, but you can't see. And he knew nothing, and so he led them by the hand and brought them to Damascus. And for three days he was outside, and he, never, he did not eat or drink. And now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord God had a vision for him and said, Ananias. And he said, I am here. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. God is, a, if you don't read the Bible and laugh, not only am I going to knock this dude off of his donkey, I'm going to knock him off of his pilgrimage. I'm going to knock him off of his pursuits. I'm going to turn on a light. I'm not going to tell him where to go until I tell him where to go. And I'm going to make him go to Straight Street because you've been on wrong street. Let me tell you something. Y'all, if you don't find that funny, that I, I laugh at that. He could have picked any street. Now you're on straight street. We're going to get you on straight and narrow. We're going to go somewhere. You need to be on straight street. No miracle's going to happen to you on straight street. Some of y'all wanting God to move, but you ain't on straight street. It says this. Had to go back at the straight street in, in the house of Judas and the man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, listen to this. He was praying. He was praying. Let me wrap this part up. Ananias did not want to go. But here's what God said. God said, hey, no, no, no. Ananias was like, man, you know who Saul is? Man, that guy's a murderous killer. I don't want to go. I don't want to die. He's got a certificate. He will go and he will wipe all of us out. And God said, no, he's praying. He's praying. 
What that meant is Saul is now in a humbled position. All of his pedigree and degrees and everything that he's amassed that made him something. He was humbled and he's sitting in his room and he's crying out to God. I didn't know and God I'm praying. And so that kind of man, that kind of woman, when that begins to happen in your life and, and all that you thought you cared about now goes away, then God can begin to reestablish you and build you. It wasn't the fact that God wasn't going to use every one of Saul's gifts, but he wanted them submitted. Paul was the one who wrote three, three, two-thirds of the New Testament. Serving God doesn't mean you give up on you. Serving God begins to direct you. Come on, somebody. All of his achievements were for him. But God said, if you'll submit, surrender, come on, then it will change everything in your life. Everything in your life. As we look at this, there are three moments that I want to show you real quick and then we're going to start praying. The first is this, is that Paul's transformation happened because there was a moment. You've got to have a moment. You've got to have a moment where you decide, I am coming to the end of myself and I'm going to do it, come on, differently. There's got to be a moment. The second thing is you're going to have to surrender to the process. I'll tell you where you're going to go. I'll tell you when you're going to leave. I'm going to bring the healing. I'm going to, you pray, you do, you be obedient. But I have a process and you don't get it when you want it. You get it when I'm going to give it. Because you get it when you can handle it. There's a process. The third thing is this. Is not only did, was there a moment, not only did he have to surrender to the process but he had to step into his assignment. There's one verse here I want you to see, and then I'm going to turn Jermaine loose. Jermaine, you still on the drums? You're about to kick it here in just a second. You didn't know. I didn't tell you, but you're about to bust a groove here. Ananias said, uh, man, Lord, this guy, he's a killer. Look at this, 14. Actually, 15. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument. Everybody say instrument of mine. Of my, he's a chosen instrument of mine, an instrument, an instrument. Here's the thing, we talked about this last week, that in order for you to multiply, you've got to come under God's process, and you've got to develop a skill. Does that make sense? He's my instrument. Okay, real quick, we've got this nice, Jermaine, just bust me a little beat real quick. Just get a little, get a little funky, go ahead. Does that mean? Uh, uh. Okay, stop. All right, stop. Now, do you think that that happened because he saw the light? At some point in time, he had to submit to the process and become an instrument and use what he had. Come on. You are God's instrument. You are God's instrument. Nick, you know how to do anything with that thing? I know it's church, but... I mean, I mean, you got you got any like rock, little rock, little instrument? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm, Jermaine was a little better, but I'm just saying. <laughs> just okay, let's stop. Uh, my point is this: you are an instrument. Are you a broken instrument? Are you a healed instrument? Are you learning to play his tune? Or are you playing the tune that you have? Here, can I see your guitar real quick? 
Y'all think I'm good, but I'm not. (laughs) Some of the tune I hear a lot when people call me for counseling, they want me to fix the other person. But the tune from their instrument is, me, 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 me. It's always them, 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 them. Oh, dang it. (laughs) Come on. Some of you need to change your me tune. Because it's not that good. It's just not that good. I mean, you're wondering why people are like, nah, it's just not that good. I'm coming. All right? It's not that good. And you wonder why relationships aren't being healed because you got you got your me tune rocking. <laughs> me 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 <laughs> me Elvis, <laughs> come on, listen, listen. If you're going to be an instrument that's going to make some difference, you're going to have to have your moment, surrender to the process. And realize that God wants to fuel your purpose. And it doesn't matter where your insecurity lies. It doesn't matter where the background is. It doesn't matter. You get healed because you have a healer and God cares for you. And he will do all that he can do so that you can. You know what I'm saying? So you can be like Jermaine. Yeah, he'll do all that you can do because God has something for you. And the reason the body of Christ is so insecure is because We're not playing to our potential. In just a second, I'm going to call all of our kids in. And we're going to pray over them. And they need to know they can have a moment. They need to know that if they submit to the process, they're not going to be perfect. But come on, God loves them and will watch over them. And that they are an instrument and God has something for them. And we don't know what it is. It could be a lawyer, doctor. It could be a pharmacist. It could be a worship pastor. It could be a whatever. Come on, and we're going to pray over them. And the reason that I'm starting with them is because the Bible says, and the children will lead us. And so as soon as we're done praying for them, we're going to pray for you. Does this make sense? Andy, will you bring them in? Come on. Come on. All of our kids, come on in. Y'all come on in. Come on. Y'all come on in. Come on. Bring our kids all the way over to this side. Come on. Thank you guys for being patient. I know that was a lot. Come on. Come on. Y'all give up big hand to our kids. Come on. Come on. Y'all come on over here. Y'all come on over here. We honor y'all today. Y'all are instruments of the Lord. There's a calling on your life. That's okay. I do that all the time too. Come on over here. Come on. Come on. Squeeze them in. Squeeze them in. All of our kids, it's important. I appreciate all of our teachers being really flexible. You know what? It's important. It's all right. We're going to move them out in just a second. Come on. Come on. We're praying. Praying over our kids. Come on, all you leaders up here. Come on. Come here and stay over here. We're not expecting this to be perfect, but we, we're going to pray over our kids. Come on, reach your hand toward our kids. Come on, reach your hand. Stop. 
because I, I feel like that's churchy. The reason that we do that is because Timothy was told by Paul to remember his calling and there were hands that were laid on him and that's why we teach that countless times in the Bible call on the elders have them lay hands that's why we lay hands there is something about connection that God cares about does that make sense so that's why we do that it's not weird it's it's not a force push does that make sense okay we ain't asking you to be Jedi's okay it, we're believing by faith that God is doing something. Come on. Who's going to help me pray? Who's going to help me pray? Come on. Here, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, come on. Reach your hands over these kids. If you want to come up here, come on, come on. Put your hand. Abel, Candace, y'all come up here. Katie, Adam, put your hands on these kids. Come on. Come on. Put your hands on these kids. Rhonda, go over there and put your hands on some of these kids. Let's go. We're going to pray over these kids. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, go ahead, Steph. Father, we thank you for our children. We thank you for the children here. God, we thank you for their parents. God, we thank you, Lord, that they have a plan and they have a purpose. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that you're moving on them right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask that you protect them. Father, that you surround them. Father, that you move the wrong voices out of their life. You remove the wrong voices out of their, uh, out of their relationship and move the right voices in. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you cover them. Come on. And Father, we're praising instruments that fuel their purpose. Instruments that fuel their purpose. In Jesus' name, it doesn't matter what academics they have it doesn't matter what where where they live it doesn't matter what home they have father that you could do something great in their life and god we call that into existence over them in jesus mighty name come on and everybody said amen, amen. come on give our kids a big hand y'all go ahead and go out Great job, everybody. Great job. Y'all stand straight up. Y'all are doing good. Yep. Y'all go ahead and... Hello. All right. Y'all walk out. Eyes forward. Thank y'all so much for coming in. Y'all made it better. Everybody woke up when y'all came. All right. Here we go. Straight, straight, straight. Okay. That's great. I need one of those. Okay. All right. Our prayer team, y'all, go ahead and come up. If you're helping us pray, go ahead and come up. Let's make some space here. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen. I believe that there are four things that hold us up and they're on the wall. I believe that we get lost sometimes when we're not sure what the Father thinks about us. And so some of you, you may need to start this year up coming and grabbing one of these hands and just saying, hey, you know what? I need to meet the Father. Maybe you need to be saved for the first time. Maybe you, need a, maybe you had a dad that abandoned you, and so it's hard for you to connect with God in prayer because I never had that influence. And all I'm telling you is you need someone to agree with you in prayer and speak over your life. Maybe there is something that you can't forgive yourself for. I don't know what it is. Something in the past, something you said, a comment. Uh, uh, you, you, were, you, were, you were 10 years old, you are 15 years old. Something happened. And I am telling you this, listen, 
while we never get rid of our scars, we do get rid of the pain. God said that I will take that. I will take that. You don't have to live under that. Listen, you don't have to keep the pain of 30 years of penance. You just come and just be like, God, I'm giving it to you. Because God already knows that you can't be perfect. Give it to Him. Okay? The second thing is maybe there's a recurring cycle in your life of brokenness. And this year, you are bringing that brokenness to God. And you're saying, okay, God, my mouth, my, I, 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 my addiction, my, my, my frustration, my what, way I handle finance. What, I, just, I feel like this is more than just a habit that I need to form. I feel like it's spiritual and I need some prayer so that I can begin to live free. And the last is this. Maybe you're an instrument and you need some tune-up. Come on. And you have forgotten that God wants to pick you up and play. Not smoke on the water, but, but you know what I'm saying? God wants to play something that begins to change the environment in your life. And so here's the thing. This is not a church where when people come to get prayer, it's a bad thing. Okay, walk down to the principal's office and get some prayer. You'll be a better person. That if you think of prayer that way, then it is clear that you haven't read your Bible. Prayer, we believe, unlocks something supernatural. And so how can I begin to change this? You can take a natural step down here, ask for prayer for, and to see some supernatural results. Come on, does that make sense? So they're going to worship. And they're going to pray. And listen, if this gets full, you'll just go back and come back. We're going to spend five or six minutes in prayer. And so here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you, listen, to come. I'm asking you to come. I'm asking you to lay that offense, lay that hurt, lay that scar down. I'm asking you to meet the Father. I'm asking you to fuel your purpose. I'm asking for you to come. So you guys stand up with me. Come on. Come on. I love it. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.